What's up, super wide listeners? It is Lee Goddess. I am here with your boy, Big Wino. Hi. It is episode 15. Can you believe it? Can you believe it, babe? It's been 15 episodes. 15 episodes of the Super Wide Podcast. If you've been hanging out with us that long, props to you guys. Uh, in this episode, we're going to touch base on Chris's first letter to me. If you guys remember before, I read mine. Now it's payback and he's got to read his. Just kidding. Uh, we just want to share that part with you guys. So here we go. Episode 15, Super Wide Podcast. Ready to go? So I'm sitting here on the couch with Mr. Christopher Big Wino, and we just got back from a trip to San Diego and LA over the weekend. We actually got back, um, I would say, early Sunday morning. And during that trip, I was able to stop by and pick up some things that my best friend was holding on to from my big move from Arizona to Oregon. And one of those things was a large box of Chris's artwork and letters and stuff that we had saved. Um, And it was all, we have my letters here and then I have all of his letters now. And if you guys remember in a previous episode, I read you guys my first letter to him. And so now it is Mr. Christopher's turn to read his first letter back to me. So I hope you guys are ready for that. March 28th, 2013. Dear Teresita, Wow, I was super surprised to get a letter from you, but super happy to hear from you, and even more happy to hear that you're doing so well. You've been through a lot of changes over the last few years, but they all sound good. Congrats on the marriage. I hope it lasts forever. Please tell Mr. Teresita I wish him luck, lol. Just playing. I'm sure he's aware of how lucky he is. Tilt of the hat to you two, and your happiness. So you're working in sales. That's dope. What are you slaying? Maybe I can help from time to time. I'm recently retired, if you will, from the sales world after 10 plus years. I figure a little vacation is warranted, although this resort gets old. I'm working on it, though. I'm actually pretty familiar with Prescott. Sleepy spot, but honestly, that's good. When life is exciting, then that usually means things are out of control. It's the mundane slow pace that tells us life is good. What's crazy is some people are so used to the hectic excitement that when life gets good, they have to create chaos for some reason. What can you do? Hope to God you find a boring mate who occasionally likes to skydive or something. I don't know. What kind of dogs do you have? I had a couple American Staffordshire Terriers before all this bullshit happened. And it just so happens Colorado prisons provide incarceration at no extra cost. Free gym membership. So I too have worked out like crazy. You read? Like books? What's really cool about that, if you do, is I'm pretty sure that puts us in an ever-shrinking demographic. If you read more than 160 characters, that is. So what do you read? 
Lately, I've been reading like a bunch of Asian books on the Asian kick, reading The Art of War, um, A Date of Victory, the annotated Book of Five Rings, and this samurai book. They're really actually great reads for the business-minded people of the world. Although they were written as ancient military strategy, they can easily be applied to the cutthroat business world. I'm trying to get these four books by a dude named Robert Greene, I think. His last book was co-written by 50 Cent, but he's a great read. I hear for similar strategic business methods. I agree very much with you about it being very hard to find genuine people who don't want to use you in any way, especially now. When I get out, I'll have a thousand people vying for my time, upset when I can't come through. Some want stuff, some just want to say I was there, I guess, but most want to take, take, take. I used to spend so much time with these people, lol. The messed up thing is, I don't expect one letter or any attempt from them to contact me, even the ones I've already written to. But when you're in sales or promotion, marketing, advertising, that's what I think happens. Add the entertainment biz to it all and it's expected that most of the people or quote unquote friends you acquire in the end won't be so legit. Eh, It is what it is, I guess. I agree, chicks can be sensitive, but a lot of dudes are too. But some girls just get along better with guys. You need to find females more like you. But that'll be hard. Since all the gym, reading books, and walking their pit bulls with a bunch of dudes around them. But hey, if you find one, have a holler at your boy. As far as letter writing, it's a trip, huh? What's even more crazy is you don't have to do it. You can actually just email us letters through a company. You can send JPEGs too. I'm not sure the limits of it all, but if you like the letter writing, by all means, write on. As far as what's allowable, I'm sure Matt's hot, but please, no nude photos. Joking. Nah, but seriously, you can send letters, pictures, which are always welcome. They're sort of, they sort of make me feel like I'm looking through a window to the outside world. Books, yeah, I can get books, but they have to come from publishers like Amazon or anything that resembles that company. And I'm allowed books that are new and slightly used, so if you're starting a convict book club, let me know. As far as music, they're working on allowing us MP3 players, but so far it's a no-go. I hear as soon as July we could be getting it, but hey, I'm not holding my breath. Poetry? Yep, send that all day. Anything to take my mind away helps, really. Some days I wake up and I'm tripping like, am I really in this penitentiary? This is crazy. And everything I've been through, it's unreal. I'd give you details, but I'm not sure what you know or what you don't know. I'm sure I'll make it sound all smooth sailing, but it sucks in so many ways. Being locked up is far from the worst of everything, but... I'm not going to do the whole woe is me cry baby routine. I'm glad it's me and nobody I love and care about going through this. And I truly appreciate the love and support my genuine people allow me to receive. I mean, even your letter, you may think is a minuscule gesture, but to me, it's so much more than you'll understand. And I have a lot of I have a lot of coming up in this world left, believe me, and not one ounce of kindness will go by without me noticing, appreciating, and paying back 
times 10 in every single way that I can all the people that have wrote me and stayed in touch with me. It's crazy being locked up for something, even though the judge and DA, as well as the entire community know you're innocent of, and still doing a life sentence. When I get free, I'm going to do everything I can for all the people who mean the most to me. So I'm going through the hectic junk for a minute, but there's got to be a reason. If only to find out who my true family is, it'll be worth it. Trust me. I got you. Love you. Your boy, Christopher Diaz. P.S. Damn, I didn't even ask, how's your mom and dad? Are they still out in Southern California? And I draw like crazy if there's ever a design logo or whatever, like a rose with a diamond, I don't know. P.S.S. Thank you so much for taking the time to write. Love you tons. Means a lot. What's crazy is that the way that you read that letter just now is kind of how I played it in my head when I would when I would read your letters. I would have your voice in my head while you're reading it and in those moments where you're being like sarcastic or being like real dry or just being like a smart ass it's funny reading it because in those moments was like it matched what I was reading so um you know I knew in some of those moments when you'd be joking and you know when you'd be serious when you'd be genuine and uh it's a trip hearing you read it out loud because even (laughs) though I've read these letters already before hundreds and hundreds of times like you and I talk about taking out our boxes you know before before you were out taking out our boxes and reading them in chronological order yeah like and then going through the whole thing and then kind of watching how our letters progressed I mean I've done that so many times but actually hearing that letter come out of your mouth as you're reading it it's just it's kind of surreal to hear it you know yeah I don't know I think you know it's funny is so I got your letter and then I read your letter over and over and over and then I, I wrote that letter based on your letter and I spent so much time on this letter because I wanted to make every sentence good and every paragraph good and um and I wanted to make sure that everything came out and what was like I don't know, was just powerful, you know? And now I read it and I'm like, dude, what the hell was I saying right here? I was trying to like, I was like, that makes no, that sentence made no sense. What the F bomb? You know what I mean? Like, what am I talking about? And um, so it's funny because I thought, I thought, and I reread these letters like over and over before I sent them to you. And um, I'm like, damn, dude, I like, I still blew it even after writing things. I don't think you blew it. But I, I feel like it's really important for me to get this this on an episode because I just want people to know that it wasn't like this straight up fantasy love story from the get-go. You know, there was a lot of growth and stuff in both of us. Like I said in the previous podcast, I was married when I started writing you. Yeah. You know, and this letter, there was no like, there was no uh, indication that we were going to try to be you know, romantic with each other or anything like that. It was just strictly like, Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? Do you need anything? You know, like, like in that you were answering if I could send you books or, 
poetry or or whatever you know um so you know it came from just a like a place of just friends just checking in on each other and and kind of just developing our friendship because even though we knew each other before we didn't really like know know each other yeah you know and this was our chance to get to know each other from ground zero yeah. You know what I mean? Because if I talked to you before, it was always, you know, revolving around your sister or like music or just a couple quick conversations here and there, but they never really got on a deep level. And I feel like just talking about, you know, having a hard time finding genuine people that, I mean, we're starting at a deep level in in the letters. Yeah. You know, and um, so I don't feel like you blew it. Yeah. Yeah, I was... It's interesting to hear it, so it's funny. In this podcast, we talk about how important letters are to just the survival in prison, like how important it is for inmates to get letters. So my question for you is, I know at this time, you were pretty much just trying to reach out to anybody in your memory as possible to get just anybody to write you because, you know, it gets lonely in there and you want to have a voice. You want to hear a voice from, from the outside. So at this point, you know, by the time your sister got a hold of me to write you, you know, how many people out of the people you were trying to get to write you were actually writing you? Because you mentioned in there that you weren't even expecting the closest of your friends to write you. Yeah, I... I, um, just, I grew up with a lot of people going in and out of jail around me and, and me, you know, being a part of that lifestyle as well. So I knew when you go to jail, like, and you're living like a street life, people don't stay connected to you. They just disappear. And that's expected, even from your closest friends. It's not, you know, even though you want letters from them, you know that you're not going to hear back from them Mm -hmm. until you get out. So it's like this complete disconnect, which sucks. And um, but what's weird is in this case, you weren't living a street life. No, I wasn't. You know what I mean? But the fact that you had already had it pre-programmed that you were kind of expecting people to fall off. I, you know, I wasn't really expecting them to fall off at first, but by the time this letter was written, I had already been in prison for like three years and, um, and I wrote everybody and not many people wrote back. Like I, I had, I remember having this little, they, they give, they pass out this, um, little address books and you can buy address books on canteen. And I, I had, my address book was fucking full of, of, you know, addresses that I remembered and that I got. And, um, it was, it was full, but after a year or two, I was writing everybody and hardly anyone wrote me back. I had a full, you know, I still have the address book and probably in my shit right now. And every year I would like cross more off and get a new address book. And it just started dwindling less and less. And, um, and then I, eventually I had, you know, I didn't have very many people left to write. And 
it's just, I expected it, I guess. I just, I was, I figured that people's lives are so busy. They don't have time to write. And now being out here and, you know, I have people that are inside and, um, trying to stay in touch with them is not easy. So I understand more now how difficult it is to stay in touch with people than I had before. And, um, because our lives are, are super busy. So for us to take the time to write a letter or, you know, even take a call sometimes, like we get calls and we're unable to accept them because we're in the middle of stuff. And, uh, I I don't know really how a lot of people do it. It's very like, to me, that's why when I talk about like prison wives and girlfriends being like so amazing, it's because of that. I'm because I'm trying to be supportive out here now. And it's, it's so difficult. So when I was in there, I kind of had that perspective. I kind of understood that life was very, very busy. And, um, because I understood that, like, I didn't expect anyone to write me. I mean, I would write letters fully thinking that no one was going to write me back, but I wanted to keep in touch with them. I wanted them to like, know, Hey, I'm alive. This is what's going on in my life. This is what's going on, uh, with my case like in my appeals and yada, yada, yada. And I, I knew that they weren't going to write back, but I wrote them anyway, because I just felt like connected to them, even though they weren't writing back. And if they would write back, I was just like, it was a whole nother level of depth because I'm going through something. So when you're in prison, you go through something so emotionally like scarring and deep and like painful, like on, on different levels that when someone reaches out to you, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like the drug dealer or the drug user who stops using drugs. And then someone reaches out to them and is like, yeah, I'm being real supportive of that new lifestyle. And they cling to whatever it is, whether it's work or sex or whatever. Um, when I was in there and somebody would write me, that was the euphoria that I would get. I would be like, oh man, this person cared enough to write me back. And I understand how busy life is. So because of that, like I grew to really, really, um, care about the people who did write about or write back to me. And when I lost someone, when someone would quit writing, it it affected me. And like, it was kind of harsh, you know, it sucked. And, um, yeah, it's rough. It's, it's rough to go through that loss. So I want to have you kind of revert back to this time in 2013, try to rewind your memories back and tell us a little bit about where you were at at this time in your prison sentence. So you said you were in the middle about three years. And I kind of want to tie this into another question that a prison wife had sent me asking me, you know, the way that we are now, five, 10 year difference, you know, in 2013, you know, that's about six years ago. So where were you at uh, emotionally, mentally, you know, you're three years in, you know, and there's a, you know, there's obviously a lot of sarcasm and a lot of, um, you know, underlining emotions in this letter. Like when you talk about, you know, you're on 
this resort, aka it's prison, you're in on this like retirement or vacation or, you know, all these little terms that you're using, you know, there's, there's a lot of underlining sarcasm and stuff, but it's coming from a pace, a place of, of pain too, you know, and, and you hide it in, you know, in these little sarcastic ways in the, in the letter. And, you know, from the way that you're reading it, it totally, uh, it, it pretty much confirmed with me how I would read the letters when you would write it, Mm -hmm. you know? So I kind of want to just get that perspective from you. Where were you at in your mind at this time when, when you wrote this letter? It's, (laughs) it's, it's hard to know where I was at, to be honest. I, I know that when I wrote the letter, like whenever I wrote letters, I didn't want to be like a Debbie Downer, right? I didn't want to be a person to ruin somebody's day with bad news. I didn't want to be like, Hey, you know what? I was just on the tier today and some guy got stabbed to death. And so we're on lockdown. That's my day. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't get to do anything because this guy that I've been talking to for the last like couple years, you know, was murdered over a, a remote control or something. You know what I mean? Like, um, or, you know, whatever, you know, like even other things that are like suck. Like it, here's the deal. Like I had friends that were getting out of prison, which was awesome but like they were my friends and I knew just like I know that when when I'm inside people aren't writing me I I'm pretty familiar with the fact that when people get out they're not going to write you either Mm -hmm. so you lose your friendships that you develop in there too so you know every day you're going through like losses and you're going through changes and you're going through um walking on eggshells whether it's for COs or for like other situations going on in prison so I, you know, I, um, when I wrote you the letter, I didn't want you to be sad and I don't, I didn't want you to feel sorry for me. Um, and I didn't want you to like, I didn't want you to like, you know, not, I guess literally, but I didn't want you to kind of in a sense, like cry for me or was that because you were afraid that by being real it might scare me away or people away for you to be too yeah. real in the in the letters yeah i feel like you, you want the letters to continue right yeah you want the letters to keep coming so if you like start dropping what's happening around you people i don't really I, at the time i come from like a uh advertising background so i know that in advertising you don't want to tell people the ugly shit you don't want to tell them the truth you want to give them the fluff so that they'll enjoy their time or enjoy the product. You know what I mean? So when I'm in prison, I'm like, okay, so prison, obviously people have a preconceived notion about prison. There's some truth to it. There's a lot of false shit to it. Um, I just wanted to be normal. I just wanted to be a normal person. I didn't want to be an inmate as when I wrote you. Mm -hmm. And so I had to find a way to make the most abnormal shit a little bit more normal. Right. Because, you know, you were writing me and I was an inmate, but I didn't want to like and I and I had to acknowledge that. But I also wanted to like kind of play it off. And really, I was less interested about what was going on in my life and way more interested in what was going on in your life because I wanted to feel connected to the outside world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I didn't even like talking about my situations or what I was right. going through in prison because I was going through it every day and I was trying to like, it was my escape to write letters and to receive letters and to write poems and 
to get poems back from you and um, and to draw pictures for you and um, just do stuff for you. I felt like useful again because being in prison, you just you feel like a number and you're just like on a rack and you're you're just living this like Groundhog Day for nothing. And there's no you have no real purpose in there. You lose your sense of purpose. So when people stay in your life, you you find a purpose in them. You find like if you could help or if like when I was telling you I wanted to help out with your job in sales, it's because I wanted to keep my mind busy and I really did want to help. And I thought, well, man, maybe I can there's a way that I could help from in here or do some research or do some things that would help make you more money out here. Mm-hmm. And um, for the pure reason of like I wanted to learn and I wanted to do more stuff and I just wanted to be useful and um I figured if I became useful, if I became like a tool that you could use, then you would want to, you know, keep writing me, you know? Yeah. And so I didn't want to bring up the bad things because I didn't want you to have to go through that with me. Right. So. So I feel like it's really important to talk about how important consistency is when you're writing letters and keeping in touch and having that communication with your inmate. Um, We recently had a situation where we got a letter from one of our friends that is still in and He even said in his letter that he was feeling some type of way because he wasn't getting as many letters from you, you know, and he was kind of getting upset. But when you did send a letter out and you sent him pictures letting you know what he was doing, he it it like clicked with him how busy life out here is and how, you know, we're trying to maintain and, and live our life. But just taking the time to do, even if it's just the one letter a month or or whatever just trying to make time when you do have it and if you are going to do the one letter you know whether you can only do it once a month or whatever do something special like pictures like how how important were pictures to you back then oh they were like everything even even like dumb pictures like you know what i mean like not dumb but like i wanted pictures of you all the time like as many pictures of you as I could have. Mm-hmm. And um, like every angle, every like outfit, you know, everything. But I remember sending you pictures of like me at the gym, just like my foot on yeah. like a machine, not even like full me. Yeah. But you even were just like, hey, thanks for sending me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like everyday stuff, like, or like a sunrise. Sunset or sunrise. Sunrise. Yeah. Or me drinking coffee or something. Just, you know. Yeah. Because it, it makes me. In my head, I I played out a whole scenario, you know, like in my head, like when you were on the barbecue, for instance, I like I would picture myself being at the barbecue with you and you barbecuing or uh, and us eating barbecue. And I would um, imagine like you'd be sitting, you'd had pictures of your dogs that you would send. And I imagine what it would be like to just be sitting on the couch with you and watching dogs be weird. And um, it's funny you say that because we actually have. Sophie on your lap right now. Yeah. (laughs) And then, um, like every little picture I would have a scenario to, you know, I would create like a a story in my mind 
and um, it made me feel closer. So there was like this imaginary version of you in my head, right? Based on our letters and and conversations and mm-hmm. you know communication, um, they would get deeper and different and change even in the same picture. But uh, you can never have like too many pictures. Like I was always happy to get a bunch of pictures. Um, Because you'd send the collages and stuff. And sometimes I wouldn't like the collages because, like, some pictures were smaller than others. And I wanted to have a big picture of that one. But, like, it was... Yeah, pictures are really good. Pictures are cool. Letters are are good, too. You know what I mean? Letters are always good. Pictures are always good. And when you're able to combine the two. Yeah. You know? Always good to do that. But, you know, even if it's just once a month or, you know, because yeah. for me in the beginning, I was probably writing you like twice a week, you would yeah. say, like twice a week, right? Yeah. And then, um, you know, I would space it out so that by the time you got the first letter, the second one would be on the way, you know, so it wouldn't be too much time. But, you know, I wasn't always able to do that. You know, sometimes it would be a couple weeks or once a month or, you know. But I always tried to stay consistent, you know. How did you do that? How did you write so much? Well, I'm, I made time. Like, I, I I learned early on how important it was for you to have some type of contact. So, you know, say, for example, during work, I would usually take a lunch break between, I don't know, one, one and two or something. I would hurry up and like make myself some food because I was you know working from home I'd hurry up and make some food eat at my desk and then I would look and see like remainder of time that I would have and I would just like start writing a letter you know and if it was going to be a long letter or you know because I would try to make them the full six pages front and back try to make it like worth it you know Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that all the time but I try to make them you know worth it or try to do you know the 20 questions or something like that. Um, I would build on the letter for a couple days before I would send it, you know, and then I would try to pick pictures. Like you said, put it in a collage of what would match that letter and print it out. Or I learned to probably use the best thing was probably to use the JPay for the pictures just because I hated folding them. Yeah. Because folding them kind of ruined it when you would have to print them out. So for pictures, I used JPEG just because the pictures just came out better that way and you're able to cut them up and do do whatever. But I don't know. I just made time, you know, and I, I know that's not it sounds like simple. It's not. But you just prioritize, you know, oh, I would usually go have lunch here. But instead of that, I'm going to, you know, stick around at home and write a letter, you know, and I feel like that was just the mindset that I had. I need to sit down and write a letter and, and keep in touch, you know, and then it, it obviously became more of a priority when our relationship became deeper and more meaningful, because like I said before, it wasn't just for you. The letters were for me too. Yeah. You know, and I also got that kind of like high from it, you know, when I would get a letter. Yeah. It would it would be that that emotion of getting a letter in the mail 
or seeing the little ping on the connect network thing that you got a message or an email like <laughs> it's it's the equivalent of that you got mail that AOL used to have yeah. like you know when you would hear that yeah even though there was no noise with that just seeing that there was a new message in my inbox or I would see the mailman come and put you know mail in the mailbox and I would run out and like see that letter then I would just pretty much like run to my office and open it up and read it you know yeah I couldn't I couldn't like wait you know what I mean yeah it was hard to wait I would read it just super quickly because I would be so excited and then I would go back and read it slower and then I would go back and read it again and how we always talked about you know making sure that we answered every question in the letter I would make sure I would go line for line making sure that I answered everything um, but yeah, I just feel like the more consistent that you stay, even if it's just once a month or whatever, just consistently staying in contact somehow. And if you don't have time to write one letter a week, if it's just one a month, make that one month letter special, you know, put some pictures in there or JPay some pictures and, you know, um, write some poems or ask 20 questions or, you know, just make it. Make it fun and just keep it going. Stay connected, you know? So guys, in closing, I just want to, one, for one, thank everybody who ever wrote me while I was in prison. I love you guys for that. And I appreciate it, especially my Teresita. And I want you to know if you are writing an inmate that you're a lifeline and to keep doing it because I know that it's difficult and um, reading this letter is is the first time I read it was to you guys just now in the last six years since I wrote it so it does take me back and it takes me back and it reminds me um, of what I wanted then and the promises that I made which, as a lot of you ladies will know, um, us prison dudes make a lot of promises. And we wholeheartedly mean every single one of them. I want you to know that even if we can't accomplish them once we get out. But I feel like having these letters and having these written um, promises and kind of testimonies and rereading them um, puts me in a place where I'm like, all right, I need to kind of rebalance my life in this moment I need to recenter myself and remember that I made some promises to some pretty important people in my life and um, I need to keep them and also it reminds me of what I never want to go back to Um, so there's a mixture of emotions that go along with rereading this letter but overall um I want to thank you guys for listening and uh, I hope that it will help you to understand what your inmates going through because there's a lot of stuff that we can't say while we're in there on the phone and they go through our letters, they go through our phone calls. So there's a lot of stuff that we can't say and we just hope that you can read between the lines as we do discuss things. Um, 
So hopefully I'll be able to break down some of those things. And I was thinking as we were sitting here that sometimes, like I said, there's some cryptic things that get said and some sarcasm and some ways that we write things as inmates that you may not fully understand or, or get. Well, if you have any questions about those things, terms or ideas, or you feel like your inmate is trying to tell you something, but it's indirect because he knows that his stuff is getting looked over and he knows that the phone calls are being recorded so he can't fully tell you what he wants to say, let me know. Give us a DM and uh, maybe we can answer those questions for you or help you gain a little bit of insight on that stuff. We could be like the inmate whispers for you guys out here. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Hey, Superwide listeners, thank you for listening in on episode 15 of the Superwide podcast. We have brand new podcasts every Tuesday, so make sure you keep tuning in, make us your favorite, follow us on Apple Podcast or Spotify or Anchor.fm, however you listen to your podcast. Thank you for the continued support. Hope you like today's episode. If you have any questions or have any topics that you want us to touch base on, make sure to hit us on Instagram at superwidetc. Or if you have any questions that you want to ask Christopher directly, his Instagram is at bigwino, B-I-G-W-Y-N-O. And lastly, if you want to hit me up and ask me any questions, or even if you just want to say hi, my Instagram is at legoddess, L-E-E-G-O-D-D-E-S-S. Keep hitting us up. Keep keep letting us know what topics you want to talk about. We love hearing what you guys are thinking on the episodes. Any feedback is greatly appreciated. And we're just going to keep this train a going. Can't wait to share what episode 16 is going to be with you guys. Hope you're having a great week. We will talk soon. <laughs>